Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty for Her. And this morning, you guys are going to be delighted with this interview and this person, Heidi Krupp, who I got to hang out with last week a little bit virtually from Hawaii. She's in Hawaii, folks. Like, come on, Heidi, maybe you can bring a little bit of that sunshine here this morning. (laughs) Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Aloha. Yes, aloha, appropriately said. So Heidi, tell us a little bit, just so we have some context about Krupp Communications. Like, what is it? What do you communicate about? Well, we communicate about people's backstories. We take, uh, we're an integrated marketing and communications company, really, that allows brands, businesses, products, and people to share their stories so that they can be unleashing the potential of themselves and sharing that with others so that that can help make a difference in the world. That's what we do. I love that you've distilled that. And again, when we chatted last week, that you're so clear on what you're really getting at, what the heart of the work that you're doing and what you're pulling out of people is. And I think that probably separates you right there from a lot of people in your world. Would you say that's true? Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Mm. Thank you for that. You know, I would say that's true. I think for us and for me, I didn't come from a PR agency background. I wasn't trained in PR. I was trained in media. And I think because I was a producer at the best place in the world for the best person in the world, you know, working for Barbara Walters at ABC News 2020, I knew what it took for getting pitches on the other side and people asking for things. And I'm a news junkie at heart. But I think at the end of the day, if you can't connect to people personally and Mm. you can't move them in some way, if you're not authentic and you don't have integrity, I mean, PR for me isn't PR for PR's sake. It's making it personal and being passionate Mm. and having a purpose. Tell us a little bit more about that background, because I happen to know, but I think it'd be important for other people to know, especially because we're talking about female founders over 40 in this particular series. And what I love and what I want to pull out and what I want to inspire in our listeners is that our backstory actually informs what's in front of us and what's ahead of us. And I think you do that so well. You've taken this really sort of outstanding history and career and found a way to have it inform what was next for you, which was K2 or Krupp Communications. So can Uh, you tell us a little bit about that backstory? What was your professional background? Sure. Thank you so much. My professional background, I'm a journalism major. I was at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. And for me, I just, I love storytelling. I'll, I'll never forget being like in my senior year of college, wishing that one day I'd be like Barbara Walters to eventually someday go work for her. And it wasn't that I got that job right out of school. I mean, right. you know, I think with everybody, we all get to something and things happen in our life that become things. And I don't believe there's any coincidences. I mean, my father drove a taxi my whole life. He did have a Jewish deli in Pittsburgh with his brothers, but you know, he drove a cab from the time that I'm I probably like 10 or 11 until literally like three, four years ago. Oh <laughs> oh, three God. years ago, he just retired. And wow. he's 88. So that gives you a sense. He retired at 85. Wow. Um, and my mom worked in a clothing store. So I'm self-made. They totally took care of me. But their work ethic and personalities were great. I love people. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to connect with people, connect to individuals. I was always seeking, pulling out from people, their stories. I mean, I didn't really know that that was a profession. So when I got this opportunity to work at ABC News, which was amazing, my parents were out to dinner 
with our cousins who had an attorney at the time that was dating this gentleman, Brad LaRosa, who's amazing. We have to send this to Brad. He'll love it because I always tell the story. And at the time, I think they were dating or they were friends. And so my cousin sent my resume to Brad, who had, Brad didn't even know me. And he, you know, talked to me on the telephone and he had told me I started working at 2020 as a, at the time they called them production secretaries. It was funny. It was a guy telling me he was a production secretary. I thought, wow, that's interesting. But it's cool that that happened. And he went on to become Barbara's biggest booker in all of her specials. So he helped me get my interview there and I became the production secretary, different than him because he was the receptionist production secretary. I became the production secretary to the publicist at ABC News 2020. And that's like how my career really started because while I was there, I started to realize, wow, what I've done my whole life is talk to people. I've like heard a story or shared a story or felt connected to something. And, And, you know, the producers, I was so fortunate, the producers and people there would send me out on shoots to be a producer And all I'd be thinking about is, how can I call the Baltimore Sun and tell them what we're doing? Or how can I call this and tell, how can I share what we're doing? It was a great aha to really get to what mattered most to me was my superpower. And I think you and I spoke last week. And then later in life, I really started to understand why connection and connecting Mm. to people became even that much more important to me that I didn't even know or recognize. So I was super lucky. I mean, look, I hit the jackpot. This was someone I admired and I worked there for her. I helped launch the first Fascinating People specials, 12 Most Fascinating People specials. I mean, Miss Walters dropped a manuscript on my desk and there was a sound booth behind me. And she had said, could you read this and tell me what you think? And so like, what did I know? I didn't know I needed to tell my boss. So she asked me. So I like filled out all the information. I went home. I came back and I handed it into her office. I never even told my boss because I didn't know that I needed to. It was like total naivete. But that helps you sometimes get to where you are. It's interesting too that it wasn't just the storytelling that you were drawn to. You wanted other people to hear that story, which whether you knew it or not, I mean, when you said the Baltimore Sun, I was like, did Heidi know she was in public relations? Like, did you know that that's how your brain was thinking? Did you know that that was even a career path? No, no. I didn't even know that me sitting in this seat with this incredible publicist, Lucy Krauss, who trained me. I mean, she was a terrific writer and a total news person, and she knew everything about pop culture. I mean, Lucy was so sophisticated, and I remember just being so intimidated by how incredibly well she wrote. And I think she also was like, this is like a spitfire of energy, like she's unstoppable. Like I think she didn't know what to do with me. Right, (laughs) Here I was intimidated by her. And so I was very fortunate when this opportunity happened. And when it happened, it wasn't so simple. I mean, she was like, why didn't you tell me that Barbara had given that to you and you said that to her? I really didn't know. I mean, she was a little mad. And then Miss Walters and the executive producer and Meredith White, who was amazing, who was also the executive producer, David Tabakoff, who was the executive producer at the time, said, let's give Heidi a shot. So I got my first publicity credit as the assistant to Lucy working on Miss Walters' first 12 Most Fascinating People special. And when that happened, I was like stuck. I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I love publicity. They can keep trying to send me out to be a producer and I can keep trying to tell a story. And and by the way, as a publicist, I'm a producer also. I'm a producer of people's passion and their story. I'm packaging still. But what I could do, and especially how the news and media have evolved and changed, I realized that I was born for this. I mean, my father does it. My mother does it. I mean, it was like just, I guess, like they're not PR people, but they're communicators. They're connectors. Yeah. They've always, both of them have shown me how to be present and connect people and make people feel great and share people's story to make a difference. What I love about your story is at a young age, I assume you were in your 20s, maybe early 30s when this was happening, and that you could see beyond the title and understand that what you were actually doing and what you actually were drawn to was something that could exist 
it happened to exist and you later bumped into that, but that you could see beyond whatever, you know, Barbara Walters or the 12 most fascinating people, whatever that credit was, you saw beyond that and you saw something that was like, okay, that's my path. That's my trajectory. Somehow I'm going to get there. And I think that a lot of us don't see that at those stages in our life. It's not until we're, I would say, in our 40s or 50s where we look back and go, I was doing that all along. I was that person all along. Right. Right? You're so right. I mean, when it was happening, I definitely did not understand what I was doing. So much so that I didn't identify this for myself. I ultimately, at 2020, there were a bunch of different people that I worked for. So I worked for the publicist and I worked for some producers. And then I got very fortunate to work with Catherine Cryer, who was one of the first hosts on CNN. She was the youngest judge. You know who Catherine is? She's amazing. And she too was my mentor. And while I was there, you know, I reported to her. I had to answer her phone. And one day I answer her phone and I wasn't paying attention because I was just spin around in this little cubicle and I had the fax machine. I mean, there was not like email then, guys. You know? yeah. <laughs> just to date yes. ourselves. I remember bit. those days too. <laughs> and so I was spinning around in my chair and I answer her line because there were seven lines that I answered. <laughs> and the person said, Oh, are you arms of steel Krupp? And I was like, listen, if I was Arms of Steel Krupp or Krupp the Coffee Maker, do you think that I would be answering the telephone? Yes. Like, I was just funny. Like, I didn't even think. And I look at the phone, and I remember the extension. It was 4025, and it said Jennings, Peter. And I thought, <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> and so he says, can you transfer me? He's laughed, and he says, transfer me to Catherine. So I transfer him to Catherine because she had a segment on World News Tonight that night. I mean, what a legend, right? Right. And she comes out of her office laughing. And it was a Friday, and I wasn't dressed at all. She said, listen, come into my office. I, I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> what like, did I, I say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she says, look, let's see if this jacket fits you. And it was this gorgeous Giorgio Armani. I'll never forget it. It was this gorgeous. I still actually think I have it in my closet in New York because I saved it. It was like such a moment. Which, by the way, for the listeners who are not 40 plus, this is the (laughs) 80s Giorgio Armani. Like, it doesn't get any better. It does not get any better. Right? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, go ahead. And I I wouldn't have bought that or owned that or paid for that. So she pulls out this box. She hands me this jacket. She puts it on. She says... Mr. Jennings wants to meet you. He can't. He he wants to put the face with the sassiness of the call. I thought, oh, um. what what have I done? So I st- Good or bad? What have yeah, I done? So, yeah, but the point, like that, I'm making to your point is these things happened, and when they happened, mm-hmm. like I would think, oh, my career is over, or oh, I'm in trouble, or I just showed up as me. Mm-hmm. I just was always me, and I think that so many of us, like you know, now I'm 54. When you're going through these things, you're trying to be something that you're not or you're wanting to like pull to like whatever it's going to be or what your parents want you to be or what you think you want to be. And you don't even realize, and you're right, Netta, when you look back, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, this was all happening for me, not to me. It was like my own movie that I now can look back and reflect on as my own backstory that helped me become the person that I am, the boss that I am, the business that I have, the book hopefully someday I'll write, the brand that I've created. And I think that, you know, when you connect to that, you just, you start to realize like there's skills and tools that go with it. I just didn't know that what I was doing was a profession. And so Catherine Cryer was a wonderful catalyst for me because she was best friends with this Gosh, I mean, she's like my fairy god mentor, I call her, Jan Miller. And she actually is my son's godmother. So she saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And that's why, like, mentorship is so important to me. Like, look, I had Brad LaRosa, who didn't even know me, look at my resume and get my foot in the door at 2020. I meet Jan Miller, and she says to me, oh, my gosh, I love your energy. You should work for me. And I was at ABC. She said, you should work for me. I represent Tony Robbins and Stephen Covey. And, and I was like, who are they? Like, I didn't even know who they were. And yeah. she and she's like, I'm a literary agent. I sell books. And I'm thinking to myself, who wants to read self-help books? I mean, who would have thought like all these years later 
that I'd not only promote these self-help authors, that I'd make them bestsellers, that I'd help them with their strategy. Like I would have never dreamt that or known that or know that was prescient. And the other thing is I never worked in a publishing house. So I was like, how is she seeing these things about me that I don't see? So I think like it's so important to, you know, even at 40, like if you haven't done something already, or even if you're a mom, like if say you had your kids before 40, me, of course, I had my kid at 44. Yeah. So yeah. like I kind of did a little backwards. I have my last <laughs> I have a one at 40. I, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh, so you get it. So like yeah. I have a 10 year old, so like he keeps me on my toes, you know, I mean, believe me. But I think like you learn like what is most important and what can matter. I mean, Jan saw in me something I didn't see in myself, but really what she tried to do is help me see myself. And I think Mm. everybody around you that, like for us, as I've built the business, Jan encouraged me. She said, you know, you've got great energy. You should start your own business. I left 2020 and I was working for, um, because I wanted to be a publicist. I actually decided I wanted to be the publicist. And they were like, it was a Wait, is this the $5,000 story? Yeah, this yes. is okay, the five thousand dollars. Because I wanted to story. ask that. Okay, tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jan says to me, you know, all you need is five thousand dollars cash. I'm like, well, easy for her to say. My dad drove the cab, I told you. My mother worked at a clothing store. Wasn't that we were poor. I mean, they worked so hard for me and for themselves, but I didn't like have unlimited money. Sure. When I grew up in Pittsburgh and went to private school, I didn't have what those people had. You know, sure. family helped pay for that. And so Jan said to me, all you need is $5,000 cash. I'm like, well, that's so easy for her to say. She had all these diamonds. She lived in Dallas. You know, she had an apartment in New York City. She was amazing. I mean, she is, not was. She's here. She's amazing. Right. Such a powerhouse and a kind-hearted, caring, amazing person. When I think about, like, my life, she was literally the angel that came into my life mm. that opened up so many possibilities for me. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> mm. No, you it's had true. me when you yeah. first started talking about so her. She, I was going to cry. Yeah. You know, you don't always have those people in your life, you know, yeah. so I'm really, really lucky about that. And she said, $5,000 cash. So I said, okay. I go into the store in Hoboken. This girl says to me, I love your car. Is it for sale? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, it's, you know, $5,000 cash. Now, my car was so not worth $5,000 cash. I mean, it was worth $1,900 book value. I had like $1,800 in parking tickets that I had to pay. I needed a new battery. Living in Hoboken at the time, it was like 1995-ish. Okay, okay. Six. There weren't that many stores. It wasn't as evolved. There wasn't parking lots. It was a disaster having a car. And it was beautiful. I had a 1989 Toyota Celica convertible that I bought with my grandmother, who I love so much, Caden's named after Seal, Seal, Seal Oberman. I bought the car when I got the inheritance. It was like the thing I owned. Yeah. And it was like a total connection to my grandmother. I was like, I'll sell the car. Jan said I needed five grand. So, and then my best friend in Pittsburgh gets married, and I'm going, like, literally within three days, this all happened all at once. Uh And Pam, Pam was getting married to Doug, and all of us were at the wedding. Eileen wasn't there, sadly, but the rest of us were. Uh, Linda and and Linny, who's in heaven, and her husband at the time, and Dana, and we're all sitting at the pool, and and I'm telling them the story about this, like, crazy lady, Jan Miller, who tells me all I need is $5,000, and I should start a business, and they all start dreaming with me, and Lenny's husband at the time worked at Coca-Cola and he was a marketing guy. And he's like, Heidi, you've got the strongest last name, Krupp. It's like arms of steel. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know about the arms of steel. I've heard that before. (laughs) Peter Jennings Jennings. told me. Yeah, (laughs) He's like, it's strong. It's a great last name. He's like, maybe K2, highest mountain, fastest ski. I mean, the truth is we're going to rebrand the agency name at some point, but this is how it started. And so yeah. it started without even starting. It didn't have any clients. It was just a conversation. Yeah. And then this woman had said she'd buy my car. And so I came home from the trip. I sold her the car. She gave me the $5,000 cash. I put it under my mattress. I called Jan Miller. I said, okay, Jan, you told me I needed $5,000. I've sold my car. Now what? She's like, I'll call you back. I'm like, oh my God. And it took her like eight hours to call me back. She at the time met this who is her now amazing husband, like best husband on the planet, Jeff Rich. 
at the time she met him. So, and it was great. I loved like watching this whole romance because it was a later in life marriage too for her. She too mm-hmm. was married to her business and her nephews and nieces and her clients and everything. And then just met the love of her life. And yeah, and here I am. I mean, literally. It's I mean, amazing. it was like there was no plan. There was no, here's what you need to do. And she started yeah. introducing me to her clients, like from Tony Robbins to Susan Powder to you name it. And I guess the rest is history. I love all the names that are taking me back. But Heidi, one thing I wanted to ask you was, it was great to hear that story, the $5,000, and you kind of did what you were told. But did you (laughs) actually know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, that you wanted to run your own business? No. I mean, here's the honest to God's truth. And this is, I think, what helped push me forward. For the first year, I felt like I was doing it for Jan. I mean, like, oh. even though she was doing it for me, she was telling me I should do it, it was easier for me to feel that I was doing it for her. And I think we as women mm. do that sometimes. We want to be the perfect mother. We want to be the perfect daughter. We want to be the perfect friend. We want to be the perfect entrepreneur, all of it, you know. And and it wasn't that Jan was, like, telling me that. It was just my own whatever. I think it was easier to not take ownership Right. of my own thing. And I loved what I did passionately and I didn't look at it as a business. And I think it was scary to kind of think of it that way. And honestly, for the first probably eight years, I didn't look at it as a business. It was so fun. I loved doing it. It was exciting. I mean, I was out of debt quickly, like yeah. within the first six months. Wow. I moved from Hoboken to New York. I started making bestsellers. I never marketed myself. All the referrals kept coming. I had no idea that this was even like a business. I wasn't thinking like, could I have staff? I had freelancers that worked for me from time to time and that would fill in coming to my apartment and packing up FedExes and whatever have you. But it wasn't like I'm an entrepreneur, although I think I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. But I think there are different categories that people have when you're running a business. There's the skilled producer, there's the manager, leader, there's the structured, you know, uh, yeah. consistent yeah. person. There's the dominant person. There's the influencer person. And you need all of those to do what you do. Even as an entrepreneur, you have to be sure. able to see who you are, what you are, what you're not. What I was and I think what I did for probably the first eight to ten years was I was a skilled producer that was able to really get incredible results. And then I looked at it as strategic. And then I met my husband. And, and also I was fortunate enough to have great mentors that would say, you know, when are you going to own that you have a business? Because I used to do it out of my studio apartment. Then I did it out of my apartment in New York. Then a friend of mine who um, is a huge coach, she's incredible. Her name's Jocelyn Herman Saccio. She works for Landmark and she was a manager. She's still a manager and she does so many other things for various talent. She said, I'm getting an office space at the Fisk building, which was this was this yeah. like hoity toy building on yeah. 57th Street yeah. in New York. She said, come be in it with me. Get out of your apartment and take ownership that you have a company. And I was like, well, okay. Oh. So we shared the office space together for a year. I was so scared. But like, again, she catapulted me into that. And then two years ago, I saw her again, which she like literally opened me up to a whole nother thing that you and I talked about a little bit last week that like puts my whole backstory complete. But yeah, I mean, I think when you have people around you that you can ask questions about, that's great. But at the end of the day, for me, it's easy for me to be the the manager and the person pulling the entrepreneurism or the message out of the client, Mm. it was just very hard for me to look at myself. And I think, honestly, many of us have a hard time looking at ourselves. I just sold a book that's coming out in May I'm so proud of with an author who is extraordinary. Some of your listeners might know. Her name is Dr. Shafali Sabari. Mm -hmm. And she wrote a book, Conscious Parenting and Awakened Family. And she just wrote this book. It's coming out called A Radical Awakening. And Oprah, as in the Oprah. The Oprah, who you've done some work with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've had so many of my clients, you know, on her show. And she's an extraordinary, I mean, talk about the real deal. I mean, talk about authentic Mm. real deal. I mean, that, yeah. That is her secret sauce, right? I mean, it's above all things, it's her authenticity. Oh, and... 
she's not looking to be a guru. She's just looking again to try to help inspire yeah. conversations so people can really truly be their best and live their best life. Yeah. That's, I mean, and many of the people that have worked with her and work around her and about her are so those like in- incredible rock star human beings that are my friends. And I'm just so grateful to them. So when she was doing this Weight Watchers Be the Love reimagined, um, they picked Shafali's book, even though it wasn't coming out until May. They p- picked Shafali because you know she's done a lot with Shafali in the past, right. and she knows what a true heart soldier Shafali is. But this book, I think, is going to be like one of the legacies of my brand and what I do because Shafali's book opened me up so much that I was so uncomfortable that I knew that everything that she was saying is like what was speaking to me about like mm. disowning having being a business owner, disowning the successes that I've had along the way. And I think some people think like when you turn 40 or, you know, you can like do anything. Although some people that are 40, you know, your audience probably are a little afraid because they have been a mom, which is like a superpower job too. I mean, hello, be a mom and run a business or whatever it is that you're going to do is a lot. I mean, no one knows how hard that is. But Shafali's book, really, this radical awakening for me is allowing me to be more in my truth about who I am and what matters to me and like always looking for not what someone else is going to think or say or do, whether it's my husband, my father, whoever. It's what I feel is best for me. So I think I finally come into my ownership of an agency owner as a mother, as a daughter, as a wife, as a boss, as everything, all these years later. So I'm super excited about that. I did not know it. I'm excited to see the rebrand of Krupp as it relates to what you've just gone through and what you're going through. I'm excited to see what will come out of that. have pivoted during this pandemic, we too have shifted to meet the needs of our growing community of female founders. We want to use this podcast conversation as a starting point for deeper dialogue and to connect you to the resources, tools, and tips shared within these interviews. Please join us on the Liberty Network to connect, collaborate, and keep talking. And a few other perks in the Liberty Network. Join our monthly virtual Mentor Monday meetups, create and share your profile with the whole community, and access a brain trust of entrepreneurial women, all for free. To join the conversation, head to libertyforher.com. That's L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-F-O-R-H-E-R.com. And click on the bar at the top of the homepage that says, Join the Liberty Network. want to, this is a great time to sort of hop into the next part of the podcast, which is really picking your brain a little bit so that our audience get the benefit of somebody who's had so much experience and a great deal of wisdom, which I think has come out in this as well, to consider their own possibilities, to consider, we have millennials listening to this. We probably have, because I have a daughter in this category, but we have some Uh. Gen Zers that are listening And while we're focused on this conversation uh, about the 40 plus years, these things that you're going to say apply to everyone. You know, these truths are truths. They don't become truths Truths at a certain age. So that's very true. Right, right. Um, So I think what I want to get at from you is sort of when you turned 40, when you hit this, and I don't know if that was a meaningful point for you. For some people it is, for other people it's just another birthday. But what were the personal goals for you that shifted? You know, you'd already had some success. So what shifted for you? Yeah. Yeah. So when I turned 30, I started crop. So it's like I, I was doing a book. I actually got hired by Amicom for a book called Get It Together by 30. So 30 was definitely a big milestone for me. And then when I turned 40, I got married. So, (laughs) you know, that too became a bit, it wasn't like I, I'm turning 40, I have to get married by 40. I just, I found the partner. And that was definitely a shift. I think my 40 to my 50 was a lot of growth, a lot of learning, a lot of realizing that the things that you think are going to happen and the way you think they're going to happen 
don't always happen that way. I mean, it took me nine fertility cycles to have our son, Caden, now oh. at 44. So, and here I was thinking, oh, I could get all my clients on the Oprah show. I can make bestsellers. I can tell people's stories. Why can't I, you know, just go have a baby? Why can't it just work that way? Yeah. And I think like these lessons and things come into your life for a reason. And here's the truth. You just can't give up. I mean, you mm. got to like somehow every day get back. It's like I'm trying to teach Caden how to ride a bike. He knows how to skateboard. He loves skateboarding. He got right on the skateboard and he's like, he's a rad skateboarder, as they would say in Maui in the skate park. <laughs> but like he falls down. And they teach you how to fall when you're skateboarding. Right. Part of it is they put on the pads and you're supposed to like fall all over right. the course. And it's so interesting to me because it wasn't like I was taught how to fall. Even though, um, believe me, my parents loved me so much, did a great job. I think because I was adopted and because they cared about me so much, they smothered and like I didn't have a lot of these like life examples of things being hard. Sure. They made things easy for me in many ways growing up because they just wanted me to be happy and they loved me so much and they were waiting their whole life for me. The same way I am with Caden, nine yeah. cycles. And so I think that you don't always know what your path is going to be, but you try things along the way. Everything leads to what you're going to become today. I worked for a soft drink company my first job out of college and that soft drink company was a big one and there were tons of employees at the time, 600. And within six months, there were six of us. I became the billing person, the this person. I mean, I, <laughs> wow. And I learned all of what not to do in business. Like I learned sure. how to do billing. But, you know, people called me on the telephone looking for money. So I think like I would say to your audience, if they're trying to start a business or if they want to be an entrepreneur, we're working with Mark Randolph, who is the founder of Netflix. That was his idea, one of his ideas with Reed. With Reed but Mark has a book, it's called That'll Never Work. Mm. And like, I have to tell you, in my 27 years of being in business, this is the greatest human being I've ever met. I mean, oh talk my about gosh, a mentor. Wow. I'm getting my MBA and he's had the courage to really share and teach me so many things. And he's pulled out even more superpowers and thinking out of me than I think I've, I've ever had. And his whole lesson that I'll share with you and your audience, yeah. and it's also on his podcast too, and I'll get you that and I'll get you his book. He's okay. just so okay. amazing. But it's that if you have an idea, just do it. Like you got to kind of test the idea. You got to try the idea. Yeah. Because if you don't, you just never know. So do you want to live and never know or do you want to at least try? Yeah. And most ideas don't work, by the way. Yeah. You know, most don't. Like in the 80, 90%. I have to say two things because you brought up two really good points. One, learning to fall. I took my kids skiing. It was one of the first times I took them. And I said, the first thing I'm going to teach you to do is how to fall. You don't want to try and resist. You just want to fall. You will break a bone if you try and resist. Just let your body fall. Get back up. It's not a big deal. If we learned that lesson in life... I imagine Amen. the things that we would do. There's a great, she said it over and over and over again. So you can probably find it if you Google it. But Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, says oh, that- Spanx, yeah. Yeah, she says that at dinner every evening, her dad would ask her brother and her, what did you fail at today? Yeah, and I, I think it's a great lesson for all of life, all things. Um, but I think it's an important one when you're thinking about starting something. And when we talk about entrepreneurship here, we're talking about that entrepreneurial spirit. I don't care if you're starting a nonprofit, if you're writing a book, whatever it is that you're doing, you've got to just start. And in that process, you actually find what you don't want to do, what you love, what you think could be better. It's not until you start that that begins. And the second point I want to make- very true. That is the through line. I just- posted two days ago, I think, about this on our Instagram. And it was, that's the through line with everybody who's successful is that they just kept at it. 
they just kept at it. They, it. That's it. You just keep going. I mean, there are many moments in my career and even in my business where I thought my business was over you know, or that I wasn't going to be able to get back up again or going through those fertility cycles. Like I was a horrible human being. I mean, with all of those yeah. drugs that you put in your system and I just wasn't myself and I was so frustrated. And so I think you learn along the way. And I think if you look yourself, like Barbara Walter said, you look at yourself in the mirror, you have to believe in what you're selling and what you do. And so like here I've been and one year later in Maui during a pandemic, I mean, it's one of the most spiritual vortexes in the world. A friend of mine that I just met that lives here said, Maui's not for the faint of heart because it brings up any and all things that you've like needed to reflect on, think about, Mm. do, and it really has. And we've been very lucky because we get to spend all this time with our son. We get to build and grow the business, which has been incredible and virtual and booming and growing with extraordinary clients. And we get to kind of decide now. I get to sit in the seat of, yeah, I'm the owner. I'm Hey, I'm Heidi. I'm the CEO and owner of Krupp. I'm an entrepreneur. I started this business. It's been successful. I love what I do. I do what I love. I help make a difference in people's lives. And it just makes you feel so good to know that you've done something or created something or been a part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. I think that's a, another common thread that you often hear people who have success talk about, we were building something or I was building something that was bigger than myself, bigger than my dream. And that, in the end, the thing that impacts most of us is one person's seed of an idea that they were able to share with other people and bring other people yeah. into. Together. Um, I love that. I wanted to ask you, what do you think when you consider what the benefits of maturing, what do you think for all those people who think it's too late, actually, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, it's too late, I I missed it. You know, Heidi started her company at 30. What do you want to say to them? You can't miss anything unless you want to miss it. I mean, here's the truth. Anything can happen whenever you want to. Everyone is sitting with unlimited potential. Mm. And my job, our job, all of our jobs, your job, Netta, all of us is to unleash our own, really. Mm. In this life that we have, you don't want to have should I have, could I have, would I have, can I? Like the truth is, yes, you can. Like I always say to Caden, like this morning, he was all frustrated. He's got this book report he's doing on animals and he was up till midnight. I mean, a 10-year-old like writing this essay, really trying to be a perfectionist and I looked at Darren this morning. I said, no, no, no. He's too around us and our phone calls because he's 10. Like, yeah. we're not perfectionists. I mean, I'm not. My husband might be. But yeah. I'm, not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. But, you know, at the end of the day, anything is possible at any time in your life if you want. Like, I didn't come for money. I ran into the store. I had this idea. I manifested it. I sold my car. Here I am. I had no plan. Look at what's come to me. I tried. I did. I succeeded. I failed. I got back up. I kept going. I mean, my opinion, and I think yours is too, is that you don't know unless you try. And the only thing that would be the worst part would be not not trying. And just to sit there and then wonder, should I have? Could I have? Would I have? Right. To me, that's death. What do you think would be the benefit of actually starting later. We're talking about oh. you know why you should definitely go for it and that it's never too late, but what's the benefit? Like if you think of starting Krupp Communications at 50, what do you think wow. the benefit would have been? Well, in many ways, I'm starting Krupp Communications again at 54 with our new branding. I think here's the benefit, wisdom, experience, things, knowing what didn't work, what did, yeah. uh, being able to pivot. I mean, look, everyone really had to start over this whole year, Netta. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, like yeah. COVID happened for us. I mean, it's a terrible thing. And I think it's just so sad how many people have lost their lives and people that they love and just the pressure and stress of all of what's happened and jobs and money and all of it. But I think here's the truth for your listeners, right? And for you and I even to have a reality check on this. We're all starting over right now. Yeah. Because what was will never be again. Yeah. So what an incredible moment for anybody 
to be able to go, wow, look what I'm good at. Think about it. People are like learning how to cook and can like be the next Mrs. Fields. Like Seth Godin's wife, Helene, makes the most incredible snacks. She sent them to me. They are unbelievable. The packaging <laughs> is gorgeous. It's called Mo Mix. It's coming out. It's unbelievable. But there's different people that are coming up with different things. Like there's a client of mine that is in direct sales and they were worried about their conventions and they built a studio. Here, like find something that you're passionate about, that you care about, that you think is missing, that hasn't happened. The age is on your side because it's wisdom and you could see what everyone else hasn't done. And even if they have done something, you can make it better. Right. I also think that you've had heartache and heartbreak in your life. You've you've gotten some things wrong and you've bounced back. Like what other lesson does an entrepreneur need than like, I can bounce back. This is not the end of me. Whether it's a client or a lack of money or whatever, you're always going to be up against whatever. Resilience is key. I mean, and just not being afraid of that. I mean, almost running into it in some ways. Like sometimes it's good to just jump. Yeah. Yeah. I I jumped out of an airplane when I first started the business in tandem (laughs) in Vegas. That's pretty cool. And I was scared out of my mind. Was that intentional? (laughs) Were you doing it? Yeah, yeah. To teach yourself something? Well, I I think the person that made me do it was trying to teach me something because they knew (laughs) I was like afraid. I was afraid of everything. I mean, I drove from Pittsburgh to New York by myself in a car. And I was afraid to do that, like out of college when I was bringing my car to New York. And I was like 19, 20 years old. I was so used to, I mean, look, I had a mother that would call me every morning Mm. when I grew up. And even later, she would call me every morning as my alarm clock. And I started dating Darren. And Darren one morning picked up the phone and said, listen, Felice, please, you don't need to call anymore. I'm here. (laughs) I was like... (laughs) And it's so funny. The other day I said to him, don't you kind of miss? I mean, she's still alive and here. Yeah. But I say to him, you know, it would be kind of nice if she could just call us again sometime. You know, like, can't we just That's actually, that? darling, <laughs> that is so sweet. But that is also why we have Angela Duckworth's book on grit, right? Because so many exactly. of, <laughs> so many of us what I'm have, trying to say. yeah, like, I, I mean, my own kids, I wonder, like, what have I done in an effort to protect you from things and to love you well. I did teach them how to fall when they ski. I did one thing, right? I did do that. No, no, no. And listen, I'm lucky now, like after this year of paying attention to Caden and being with him, not that I didn't pay attention to him, but I'm present with him. We're here. Yeah. It's a different kind of presence for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. learning. Well, you're talking about Caden. I'm aware that you're in Maui. You've got your place in New York. There's a lot that's changed for you. What have you used like app-wise or organizational besides the darling Rachel that is um, (laughs) the best app in the world? But what what are you using to sort of get you through days and how are you managing your time? You know, I actually have managed my time here better than I ever did in New York because I've had no choice. I have to. So, I mean, I might not have a lot of sleep because of the time zone, but that's the upside of being here. So the way I look at it, if I have to do a call at four in the morning or five in the morning from March to June when we were here, Caden was still on New York time. So he would have to get up at 2.30 and at 3 a.m. beyond with his New York City schools. We were all up. And then that changed because he's in school in person here in Maui. But for me, we changed everything over to Teams. That's been very, very good for the company. We had done Mm -hmm. that before we came here, but now we're using it a lot for our calls and our Zoom. Teams is an actual app. It's an actual, okay. Yeah, yeah, Teams is part of Microsoft. So it's part of the Microsoft channel. So it works really well, like a Slack Yep. But different than Zoom, you can actually do calls in Teams. You can save folders in Teams. Yeah. You can share everything with one another. So that's been very, very helpful. And I think keeping me connected, like I stopped watching the news early on while here because it was so depressing and I felt so guilty that we were here and that was there (laughs) and that's my home. And even though I was grateful that we were here, it was hard. I worried about my team and their well-being and because they're – in the throw of it, of it, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, and 
I certainly was very worried about my parents because they were in an assisted living. They still are in an assisted living. And that was obviously a very scary point when you were seeing all these nursing homes and people getting COVID. But I think for me, the thing that's helped me, I'm probably one of the best health health shape of my life. Like back to my college, maybe even high school, like weight. I'm eating incredibly well, organic foods. Darren learned how to cook. I'm intermittent fasting. I usually don't even eat anything until about noon. I, you know, I'm drinking coffee, which no one would really want to be near me for in New York. <laughs> I didn't do that much, but it's helping me and I like yeah. it. I'm actually happy to be happy in coffee again. And yeah. some would say it's okay to do. And yeah. so I'm just, Rachel reminds me before I get onto a call or she gives me the warning and I'm creating systems that I think are important. And I'm able to look at things that I haven't looked at before. Like I have more thinking time when Caden's at school or if I go for a bike ride or if I go for a walk. And I think I'm able to spend more time in the business and on the business. It was always I was in the business for the clients, but I was the cobbler with like, like if you look at my website, look at all my things. Like I didn't ever focus on me. I know. Can I tell you something? You're, when I first went to your website, I was so confused because the slider on the front, I was like, that's not Heidi. Who's that? <laughs> Where's Heidi? So yeah, we I need know. to see more Heidi. We need more Heidi. Thank you. No, it's oh, true. Thank you. What? Thank you. I think you will see more Heidi. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. What's one piece of kind of wisdom or entrepreneurial advice that you would want to leave our listeners with to encourage them? to get started, to encourage them if they've already started to keep going and growing? I think I would say that your idea can help change the world. And if you're just going to sit there and do nothing with it, then you're stopping some great vision, some great Mm -hmm. moment, some great opportunity. It's almost like you're doing a disservice to the world. So hopefully that will be the impetus for you to do something. Think about it. What would we have done this whole year without Netflix? Yeah. I don't (laughs) know. The binging. The Jones family doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And I agree with you. I think if you fundamentally believe we're all here for a reason and your reason is in any way limited, then you are, in fact, doing a disservice. Like, it's your responsibility. It's your obligation. And to what degree and to how big or small and to the way you manage that and the personality that you deliver that in, that's up to you. That's all up to you. Uh, All of it's up to you. So it's your decision. It's your choice. And imagine like the possibilities are endless if you'll trust in the possibilities. Yeah. I love that. Where's your book? When are you coming out with the book? Uh, <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, I'm serious. Oh. Any plans? Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, Maybe. you know, I've been thinking a lot about really creating a legacy project for people that you know, might not be able to afford our services mm. or are just starting out. And I've really been thinking a lot about what can I do to help pull out things in people and inspire them mm. and let them see what that is. I mean, I have an entrepreneurial story. I've got a personal story that I think people can really connect to, whether they're adopted or not adopted. I think it's quite, um, I mean, for me, it's been a whole huge completion and it's just changed the way I look at life at, you know, mm. at 52. You know, I found out I had a sister. I have a brother. I've like got this whole other family. That was that just two years and, ago? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. Caden has a grandma Mar. He's got an aunt. You know, he lost his grandmother. My husband's mother, unfortunately, passed away mm. um, a year and a half ago. So, I mean, it's like everything – Again, like things happen and you learn and you stack on to it. And so I think I, I'm still in my journey and I'm still processing so much that's come, but I definitely am thinking about a book. I've been asked to write a book. I I did write Chicken Soup for the Soul's 20th anniversary you did? book and we were their PR agency and I curated 
20 new stories for them. I did that a couple years ago on their 20th anniversary. So I, I'm proud of that. And I did that. And I feel really great about that. And that was a great experience. So I definitely think like, I, I would like to do a book. I just, you know, I don't want to, again, like, like everything, like we've talked about, it won't be about me. It'll be about mm -hmm. how whatever I share can help make an impact and connect for someone's backstory, their life, some hidden idea, some something. If it can inspire more people to share what I do, then I definitely, like I just told your audience to do, then I have a responsibility to do it. Yeah. So, Challenge, challenge taken. That's a good, that's a, that. yeah. And I want to say something because I hear a lot of women saying, it's not about me. And I just want to flip some words and I want to leave you with this too. It's not for you, but it is about you. It is about you. We need yeah. those stories and we need people to share who they are. And I think there's some confusion when we hear women again in particular here, well, it's not about me. And then they leave their story out of it and what they want. It is about you. No, it's just not for touche. you. Yeah. See, I'm yeah. still on my journey. I'm yeah. in my radical awakening. What I meant by that is my ego isn't invested. Like I've yes. worked with so many narcissists, you yeah. know, and I've, I'm sorry. I can only I imagine, have, actually. I, I can just, only imagine. I just, and, and I didn't even know what that was and because you get in the spell and you don't even, you can't even, yeah. you know, and because I was such a pleaser, you don't know that. But yeah, definitely. No, it is for, for us. Yeah. And it is for me and it is for you. And yeah. if it's going to help for you, then I have an obligation to, to. Yeah. Yeah. True. What a great way to, to wrap up that part of the podcast. We have one more part. And Thank I actually you. have to ask you because we got into so much of the awesome storytelling that I just want our audience to really be clear about what you do. So you're a publicist and your clients yes. are book. Are they all authors? No, 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 no. no it's no. just a so lot I'm of authors. Yeah, we're more, no, not so much. So here's okay. the thing. I'm a strategist. So okay. I'm a public relations strategist and we're marketers. But, you know, we started in book publicity because that's how my mentor got me into this. And then we created this book as brand. So we launched the South Beach Diet. You wouldn't think of the South Beach Diet as a book. You look at that as a global sure. brand. Sure, sure. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. So we did that. We created the dialogue. We uh, obviously took the book, saw the possibility. At the time, the publisher hadn't had any bestsellers, and the author had never written a book before, and he was a cardiologist. So we helped create the narrative okay. and did that. So what we do is we unpack, like if someone has an idea, we help launch it. If someone has a book, we help launch it. But I, we don't do book publicity traditionally. What we do is we look at the book as the hook, as the vehicle of the brand. So okay. like, why I haven't written a book yet, Netta, is because I, I have to figure out how that book would be a vehicle to my brand. Okay. Because that's what I say. I'm launching this incredible neuroscientist. Her name is Dr. Kristen. So she's got a book called Biohack Your Brain. But eventually, I think she's going to be like the next, or not next, but with like a Sanjay Gupta and others on television. Right. She's stunning. She's gorgeous. She's smart. She explains all the parts of our brain. I think brain health is going to be the number one Huge. thing that we're going to be right. taking away from COVID. So yes, she has a book. And does Mark have a book from Netflix? Yes, but now we're doing the podcast and we're doing so many other things. So it's not just that. We have a pet food company, Canaday, which is amazing. So we look at the project. We diagnose and, and dissect like the who cares so what, why you of okay. what they're doing. And we create a method, which I have and I've done over and over again, of how to share that message with the world, what's going to be as meaningful for their ROI for their business. Okay. I think it's important that we got that in. I want people to know what you oh, do you. and how to connect with you if they need to. But we've got our fast five. This is the last part of the conversation, okay. which I'm sad. I'm hoping for a, another chat we'll with you. We'll have more. Yes, we'll we have more. We will definitely chat again. Where's your book? I, I know. Well, I wrote one actually, gosh, now it came out in 2008 or nine. Eight? It, yeah, eight? it was yeah. with McGraw-Hill. So it was more of a how-to, 16 weeks to your dream business. But I'm ready for an, another one. We're going to talk about that I, later. 
We're going to talk about Perfect. that later. Perfect. So just whatever comes to mind, answer these five questions. So what's the number one trait an entrepreneur must possess? Tenacity. Yeah, I love that one. And aside from teams, because you already mentioned that, what's one app that you love using for business or your life? LinkedIn. Okay. Why? Actually, I'll ask. I love connecting with people and I love how they're using it now. But I actually, I got to say, I'm digging Clubhouse. You are? I'm fascinated by it. Okay. Are you on it? Like, are you on it? Are you talking on it? Let's do a room together. Are you okay. in? Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, let's do let's a room do a together. Room. Let's okay. do a room. Okay, Rachel, we'll, we'll organize set it up. that. We'll do a room. That'd be okay. fun. Awesome. awesome. See, that's why I like Clubhouse because see, you can we do this normally kind of have thing. done that. <laughs> and, and like people ping me and I, I, I was on something with Dave Asprey the other day and he's like, Heidi, where have you been? It's like, it's great. Like, okay, you just you'll, you'll teach in, me better in. how, I don't really totally get it. So yeah. you'll help me with that. We'll teach each other. Okay. We know about the $5,000. We, we know that you launched that business, but when you first had a little bit of extra cash to hire someone, what was the first thing you hired? I hired an assistant. You know, I hired okay. somebody to support me in the work that I did and I started training them to like in fact my first hire on the payroll cuz I did hire someone freelance yeah. that was Jan's niece and so she was more of a freelancer cuz she was a uh, actress and she also rode horses. But my first hire still works for me to this day and she's my head of new business development. Yeah. Wow. So she moved into that office at the Fisk building with me. And why I hired her is because she came from publishing. She was very organized and steady Freddie, which she still is, very consistent, very compliant. And she's also has a huge heart and massive loyalty and just mm. represents me so well. You know, I, I've, I've watched her whole life evolve. What a cool thing to be a to part marriage, of. Yeah. To babies. That's yeah, very I don't cool. thank her enough. I, I should thank her even more. I thank her a lot, but I make sure I, yeah, she I'm hears this her, podcast. You know? She'll yeah, she'll feel thanked if she listens. Yeah. This one absolutely. I always say is the hardest question to ask, right? So do you prefer red vines or Twizzlers? Oh <laughs> love. I like my father's favorite thing is licorice. So this is like the greatest oh, question yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. I like the coins because that's what he oh, likes. Oh, you're he old likes school, the black yes. Coins. Oh, I'm my daddy's girl. Yeah, you're like candy shop licorice. Oh, yeah, but I like chocolate licorice. Mm. I, but he oh. likes the black licorice. So I wouldn't do the stripe. I wouldn't do Twizzlers because that's not like real licorice. See? I like uh, I like gourmet okay. licorice. Okay, okay. So you just up, upped the whole red vine. I'm sorry. Twizzlers game. I'm no, sorry. no, it's good. I'm, ju- I'm really glad you just didn't say you like Twizzlers. That's my one. That's my one thing. And so many people do. It's hilarious. Okay. So, you know, this podcast is called Liberty for Her. You know, that's what our brand is all about. Our network is to get women to start talking together to really help each other in their entrepreneurial growth. What does it mean to you when you hear the word liberty? Freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, We all should be connected. I mean, like for me, liberty is a responsibility. I mean, we are, as women, liberated now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, look, we have a vice president, a woman in the in the yeah. White House. Like, yeah. yeah, you know? And I think we've come far. We have a lot longer to come. Um, yeah. And I think it's our responsibility as women to continue to pursue and share that path of liberty, of freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of connection, equality. Yeah. Um, all of the things that we've been fighting for, yeah. I can't wait until we don't have to fight for it. And it's just is. Yeah. Yeah. We got to keep doing the work. Keep doing the good work. And thank you for doing the work of sharing your story and hanging out with me. Oh. It didn't feel like work oh, at all, actually. It was such a pleasure. No. Oh, my. And I never do this. You're like one of my first. I, I'm I really appreciate so, Well, you actually need to do this. it. You need to do it because oh, you're you. great at, I mean, you built a life around drawing out other people's stories. So a podcast would be a great platform oh. for you. Let oh. us know when you've got thank that you. going. We'll all come listen. Only if you come as a guest am I going to do Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. You so heard then, it here. You're on. <laughs> You're on. You heard it here. And I got to do a book and I'm going to do a podcast. That's right. That's and, right. Gonna sh- and I'm going to share my new branding with you. And thank you for your 
thoughts about that that yeah. don't go unnoted. And first of all, it's great what you're doing. Thank you for doing what you do. I've Thanks, listened to a Heidi. lot of your podcasts. Thank they you. definitely help me. I think what you're doing is wonderful. We all need to feel like there's a safe place to communicate and gather and connect. And that's exactly what you're doing. And you're awesome. You and Thanks, your team Heidi. are great. So thank th- you. Thank Heidi. you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And Liberty listeners, thank you for making time for us in this last hour. I know you've got lots of nuggets that you've taken away from Heidi and look forward to hearing those comments. Check us out in the Liberty Network and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Until next week. See you then. Bye. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty for Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower.